It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Tuesday, December 8th. As we look to recap, UFC Fight Night Hermanson versus Vittori, which of course took place on Saturday, December 5th. And what a what a fun card this was! What a what a fun card this was! Um, obviously, a lot of a lot of circumstances uh, happened uh, in in the lead up to this card, uh, particularly. Uh, I mean, seemingly a couple of hours before the card, there were a lot of changes. Um, obviously, uh, ended up being a card with only eight fights on it, which you know is less than ideal. But hey, you know, in in these weird times, I guess we'll we'll take what we can get. Uh, plenty of canceled uh, bouts. I believe the ones that were canceled the day of. Uh, w- let's see here. We had uh, Talia Santos and Montana De La Rosa. Uh, that was canceled. Uh, Santos, I think, is ranked 15 uh, in the uh, in the flyweight division, um, according to North Star Sports, which are, is you know the only media or organization whose rankings matter. Uh, we also had that uh, Movsar, Evloev, and uh, Nate Landwehr fight get canceled. Uh, that was unfortunate. I thought that could have been a potential fight of the night. Uh, Jimmy Flick and Cody Durden uh, both falling out um, right before the fight. I mean, I don't have much to say on, on that one, to be honest. Um, and then the rest, I, the rest, I suppose, were all um, beforehand, so... It was already a bit of a truncated card with 11 fights, and then you know three of them fall out. So, uh, not very good. I'm sure the media is ripping into the UFC for that one, but uh, you know MMA media is not uh, not very good uh, for the most part. So nobody really cares. Um, but yeah, I, I thought all things considered, uh, it, it was a it was a pretty fun fight card. Um, we had a, a couple of changes in the rankings, which, of course, uh, we'll get to uh, as they become relevant. Uh, and uh, there's no better place to start than the main event where it is very relevant, the rankings there. Uh, so we had Marvin Vittori winning a unanimous decision victory over Jack Hermanson. Uh, really, really good fight coming out party for Marvin Vittori. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've always been a little high on Marvin Vittori. Uh, this was obviously his his first real step up in competition uh, outside of the Israel Adesanya fight, um, but I I, th- I think it should be noted that I th- he was something like 22 when he fought Israel Adesanya, and uh, nobody really knew how good Izzy was at that point, at least you know w- within the octagon, and uh, so I I almost separate Marvin Vittori's UFC career kind of in two parts, like before the Izzy fight and after the Izzy fight because I mean he's still only 27 but he was okay so he wasn't 22 I guess because we fought him in 2018 um but point being he was younger you know racked up some wins and uh you know Carl Robe- Carl Roberson's an okay fighter I, I think that's that's a a good um litmus test but I mean 
he obviously wasn't scheduled to fight Hermanson before like a week ago. So, you know, fortuitous um, series of events there for uh, Vittori and uh, obviously made the most of it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I, I was very impressed. I always knew he was a well-rounded fighter. And like I said on the preview show, the, the big thing for me was... I know these guys are well-rounded. I know they're both very good fighters. I think it'll probably be closer than than we think. But where does the fight take place? And it was very interesting to me how that manifested itself, um, you know, in the octagon on Saturday. Uh, I did not expect to see uh, Jack Hermanson stand up and strike that often. Um, I also think it wasn't really much of a, a choice because I was very surprised with uh, Vittori's uh, takedown defense. Um, I was I was just impressed pretty much from start to finish. Finish. There are some things I would nitpick with Vittori, um, especially later in the fight, like when Hermanson was kind of... I wouldn't say... Well, I guess he was surging later in the fight. Uh, obviously a clear-cut win for Vittori. But, okay, Vittori probably got hit a little bit too much in rounds 3, 4, and 5 than, than he probably could have. You know, just kind of stand, standing and banging. Uh, I do think his striking is w- was better on the whole um, than than Hermanson, but it was very interesting because uh, you know, and Hermanson hasn't really done this to high level competition outside of say like uh, Calvin Gastelum. He's got a lot of very early submission finishes, but he's never really done it, you know, against ranked opponents. And just stuffing the takedowns. I don't know how many Hermanson had, but he he must have had uh, more than more than 10 uh maybe it seemed like that i don't know about official you know because i know there are sticklers for for what a takedown attempt is and what a takedown is and and stuff like that um but then also on the ground i was so impressed with his transitions he was so fucking quick like um oh man i forget what round it was in Uh, maybe it was rounds two or three where uh hermanson gets the takedown He's on top, and then Vittoria just fucking spins around and scrambles, and then he's on top, and and the the sequence was like like five seconds. So, I mean that that's that's fucking impressive. That's impressive. Um, and and obviously when you talk about the rankings here, so we had her Hermanson at number four and Vittoria at fourteen. Uh, I can pull up the uh, updated rankings here. Now we have uh, Marvin Vittoria at four. And uh, Jack Hermanson at six. So, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, uh, just a you you. This doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like to go from fourteen to four. I mean, if you're the number fourteen guy, you're taking on number thirteen, number twelve, number eleven. Ten would be in pretty fucking crazy. But to go up into the top five. And, uh, you know, I saw that he called out Paulo Costa. Uh, that's an interesting fight. Uh, I guess I'll just very quickly go through the middleweight uh, rankings here because we also have Yoel Romero leaving the rankings because he got released. So uh, we had Yoel Romero ranked at number six. Uh, he's now gone. So uh, Vittori wins, beats Hermanson. So Vittori goes from four or from 14 to four. Hermanson goes from four to six. Uh, so he takes over Yoel Romero's um, spot, uh, and, and then 
Well, let's see here. To, to replace the number 14 spot, Brad Tavares goes from 15 to 14. Hamzat Chemaev goes from being unranked to the number 15 spot. So you would think that a lot of the rankings would change because Vittori moved up so high and, and because Yoel Romero left. But actually, it's just a perfect fit for the most part. So pretty much everybody stays the same. Uh, Derek Brunson stays at number five in between, you know, Vittori and Hermanson. Um, you know, uh, Darren Till, Gastelum, Hall, Weidman, Akhmedov, Shabazi, and Heinish, they all stay the same seven through 13. Um, so really not a whole lot changes. There are some very big movers, but, you know, typically when, when a guy like Vittori, like we saw it with uh, Cynthia Calvillo when she beat Jessica I. You know, and you, and you go up a division and you enter the fucking number two spot. There's a lot of changes, a lot of people going down. But for here, um, you know, a lot, a lot stays the same. I think it's fair uh, to only move Hermanson down two spots. I mean, typically, you know, if you beat an opponent, you take their rankings. That's how it works here for North Star Sports. Um, and if you lose, I mean, we're not going to drop Hermanson fucking 10 spots and put him at 14. Um you know, Darren Till, in my mind, is on a five-fight losing streak. Um, and, like, we can't move Hermanson down any further because sitting there at number eight is uh, Kelvin Gastelum. And he just choked out Kelvin Gastelum, you know, fucking, like, four months ago or whatever. So, you know, I think six is a is a fair spot. Um, let's see if there's... I don't believe there were any other changes in the rankings. Um, nope, that was it. Okay, so... That's it for uh, for rankings. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting uh, there in in the middleweight division. Um, and then for for Herbanson, I mean, again, not the end of the world, not the end of the world, because I think Vittori will go on to do good things. I think he'll stay relevant there in the top five for a very long time. Um, he's not a, a massive guy, so I don't you know envision him going to light heavyweight in like two years. So probably a force at middleweight for for uh, quite some time, and then Hermanson. I mean, listen, you're you're still you're still there at number six, you know, and and he'll still have he'll still probably be in another fucking main event in his next fight and and stuff like that. I think Hermanson is is a very good opponent. See, because it's it's one of those things where you could go, holy shit, Hermanson, you fucking suck. You lost to the number fourteen guy in the division. You're number four. You fucking suck. But I, I really think this is, I really think that's incorrect, and I really think this is one of those fights where we look, you know, two years down the road, where we're like, holy shit, you, no, I'm not gonna say Vittori's gonna be the fucking, the champ, but like, oh wow, you lost to Marvin Vittori before he was Marvin Vittori, like, you know what I mean? I think this is a loss that's gonna age gracefully, you know, he gave it his all, he was fucking throwing with heat in the fifth round, and it, it was a lot of hooks, and you know Vittori had his guard up, so I don't I don't really know where they were landing. I'm sure Vittori's fucking forearms are very sore today because you know he he took all those hooks, but Hermanson was still fucking going for the finish, still going for the finish, and he's not a, he's not a knockout guy either, but he was throwing with fucking power. And you look at you look at Vittori, dude, he looked like Freddy Krueger. The he had like the f- three or four fucking scratches all the way up and down his neck uh you know from i guess hermanson's toenails i i don't know but that dude that dude had scratches all over it looked like he was in a fucking car crash 
So, you know, he beats Hermanson, but, you know, he's going to be wearing some of that shit for a while. Um, you know, just just a very, very fun um, main event. And, you know, you, you talk about the future for Vittori, uh, going back and looking at the rankings. I, I don't think you fight him against anybody lower than him in the rankings. I mean, Derek Brunson sitting there at number five, but that really doesn't make much sense. Why would you fight a gatekeeper? Um, not to say that'd be the worst matchup in the world, four and five, but I think Vittori surging. I, I, I would look at, um, and I think the timelines would kind of match up well. Um, like Paulo Costa, I really like that call out, three and four. I would be very interested in, in, in watching that. Um, I think Cannoneer would make a lot of sense, you know, following the loss to Whitaker. I don't know. I have no idea what his timetable is, but, um, you know, uh, Cannoneer, you know, Fatori, if he beats Cannoneer, um, you know, title shot time. Listen, he went to a split decision with Israel Adesanya. Uh, I obviously think Israel's improved a lot since then, but we've never really seen... We've never seen Israel improve his ground game or or his, uh, his, his uh, takedown defense. Now, I think he has improved. I think you'd be crazy to think he hasn't improved, but but we haven't seen it. That's that's my only thing. So I think probably following the win, win over Vittori back in 2018, I'm, sh- I'm sure they train on the ground, obviously. But we just haven't seen it. Nobody's, nobody's really tried to take Israel Adesanya down, which I think is a major fucking mistake because I think Israel's always going to have the advantage striking he's just so long so lean um he's so good at fainting he's so good at throwing from awkward angles i mean look at the knockout of whitaker you know throwing off his back foot leaning back with a winning winging hook uh you're you're never gonna outstrike israel adesanya in my mind i mean you know you can freezing cold take me if he gets knocked out in his next fight but I really think the, the path to beating Israel Adesanya is through the ground. And I think with Vittori, I'm definitely not going to say Vittori striking is better than Adesanya, but I think it's improved. I think he probably could hold his own. Maybe that's a generous interpretation because, again, this is, you know, a dominant pound-for-pound champ. But, you know, I, I think potentially he could hold his own with his, with the striking and, and try to work in uh, the, the, the clinch or try to take... Um, Izzy down, and then I think he's in Marvin's world at that point. Um, with, with with respect to the fact that Israel, you know, could have improved on the ground, but you know, I, I really like the long term future of a guy like Marvin Vittori, and and you know, I'm not saying this was the easy route because no part about this was easy, but you know, this this is the this is the rocket ship route to the top. I mean, you go from 14 to four, you know. Yeah. The typical route, the typical route for a guy like Vittori to get to number four would be, all right, you got to beat Ian Heinish, who's number thirteen. All right, then you get to take on Omari Akhmadov, who's number eleven. Okay, awesome. Uh, then you get a leg injury, you're out for a year. Okay, now you got to take on number fucking eight, Kelvin Gastelum, and then you get to face Jack Hermanson two years from now. Obviously, the rankings change, so but this is how it goes. So, you know, very very. Um, uh, fast route here for Marvin Vittori, although he's put in the work, so uh, good for him. Um, in the uh, co-main event, we had a second-round standing TKO of uh, Ovin St. Prue by Jamal Hill. Uh, and Jamal Hill, fuck, he's, uh, that's the real deal. That that says a lot to me that he knocked out OSP. Um, obviously, my prediction was Jamal Hill by decision. 
I didn't really think it was possible he could knock out OSP. To, to knock out OSP says, it, it just speaks volumes. I mean, this is a guy who fought for an interim light heavyweight champ. He fought John Jones and didn't get knocked out. You know what I mean? He fought fucking uh, Dominic Reyes and didn't get knocked out. He fought uh, Volkan when Volkan was just knocking people out, didn't get knocked out. Uh, you know what I mean? He, he, he's he's a very dangerous striker, first of all. He's also very dangerous on the ground. But he's hard to look good against. People just don't look good against OSP. He's, he's probably he's probably had like 20, 25 UFC fights at this point. He's only ever been knocked out one time. Only ever been knocked out one time, and it was by Jimmy Manoa. And Jimmy, Jimmy Manoa is a fucking knockout artist. I mean, I know... Yeah, you look at how his career ended, not very good. I mean, he was he was the guy getting knocked out, but, you know, Jimmy Manawa in his prime was very, very dangerous. I mean, he, listen, he was the he was the backup fighter at UFC 214 if John Jones, you know, fucking sandblasted a prostitute and, and you know, couldn't make it to, to fight DC for the belt. So, you know, OSP, yeah, he's he's lost a fair amount of fight, a fair amount of fights. But it's, it's either losing decisions or getting choked out, which, you know, whatever. Getting choked out, not that bad. Um, so that is fucking impressive. And I don't know. See, o- OSP is kind of like one of those guys, too, to a, to a lesser degree. But he's like a UFC guy. You know what I mean? He's been in a lot of co-main events recently. So I think huge things are coming for Jamal Hill. Uh, we didn't put him in the rankings because OSP is not ranked. Um, although if he's probably number 16, I'll say that he's probably number 16. So, but OSP is kind of the UFC's guy. You know what I mean? Like the UFC will have their guys where if you beat them, uh, man, something fantastic's happening. A perfect example is like a uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. If you beat RDA, dude, you're getting a title shot or you're getting a major main event. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, Look at what happened uh, to well, I guess Colby Covington beat RDA for the for the interim belt. But like, look at what happened to Kamaru after he beat RDA. Uh, you know, so I, I, looking at the light heavyweight division, I mean, Paul Craig would make sense. The timelines would would certainly match up there. I don't think that's the most exciting uh, matchup you could make, but it would get Jamal Hill into the rankings. Um, I don't think you go Megamed Ankalaev. I don't think you go Jimmy Crute. I think, you know, maybe a guy like Misha Serkinov there at number 10 would make a make make some sense. Um I don't know if Ryan Span I feel like Ryan Span has a fight upcoming, but Ryan Span might might make a little sense. But I, I really think they try to work this guy up the pipeline real quick. Uh and and you know, very impressive. Long arms, great striking, tall fighter. Um, you know, I know he was, uh, I think suspended for six months. So this, this is, uh, you know, he was kind of on ice for a little bit of those six months. I mean, some fighters take six months in between fights anyways. So, you know, but, uh, I, I expect big things from this guy as, as well. Uh, you know, some prospects get past OSP and some don't. I mean, you know, look at him throwing back, uh, Alonzo Menafield. So, you know, the, uh, I, 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 again, I really think big things are coming for Jamal Hill. 
In the featured bout, we had a uh, knockout by Gabriel Benitez over Justin Janes. Did not watch this one. Uh, Good for Benitez. I have no idea what that does for him, but props to him. Um, One I really want to talk about here on the main card was a uh, split decision by Roman Delizzi over John Allen. Most frustrating fight I've I've watched. <laughs> I'm going to say in the, in the month of December. I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but that was a fucking frustrating fight. Roman Delizzi is, is a very good fighter. He, he, he has never gone to a decision, knocks out everybody he faces, had that brutal knockout of Kadis Ibrahimov uh, back in July, and and just, just fought like a wimp. He fought like a wimp. Uh, as much as much as you could say that about a professional fighter against John Allen in rounds two and rounds three, really had John Allen on the ropes. He was so much better than John Allen striking. Although Allen, I wouldn't say gave him fits, but Allen, Allen was throwing back. Allen was game, but on the ground, dude, just passing into into what is it, fucking half guard or side control or whatever, just constantly passing. Uh, you know dominating him on the ground and it just it seemed like he didn't want to finish which I know is going to piss off Dana White uh when you can get a finish and you don't it's gonna it pissed me it pissed me off because dude if if you get a finish I mean you could be getting fifty thousand dollars like don't you like money And, and I don't really think he was in danger I think you have to be I'm not saying be a fucking berserker I mean you know be tactical but, I mean, you were really in no danger. I mean, yeah, Allen was throwing back. Take him down, apply some pressure, apply some ground and pound. It was just a guy who, who in my opinion, didn't want to get a finish, but he could have got a finish. And, man, I mean, you talk about, like, oh, look at the career trajectory for Vittori. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. But, like, dude, if you, if, if you want to f- just, if you want your trajectory to go straight up, get finishes. If you want your trajectory to stay fucking exactly still fight for fight for a decision fight for a decision because you're, you're you're gonna go fucking nowhere fighting for decisions in the ufc whether or not that's right or wrong you're gonna go fucking nowhere look at leon edwards a guy who fights for decisions gone absolutely fucking nowhere fighting an unranked guy you know in in, in a main event leon edwards should have had a title shot you know after his uh july 2019 win over uh, rda so i mean <laughs> that's fine you can fight however you want you could run around the octagon for all i care but uh, you know it's it's i don't want to see you on main cards and and you're not going to go anywhere so absolutely frustrating fight there uh on the uh, main card opener we had a murder uh from jordan levitt on matt wyman 22 seconds uh, a slam ko slam ko's are so fun uh and, and, and that was a brutal knockout um, the way he framed him up, the way the the way that he put his arm uh, on his head so he couldn't, uh, or around his head or whatever, so he couldn't brace himself, just brutal, just vicious. And <laughs> I like how they talked about it in the post fight show. And this is fair. This is fair. Is it worse to get knocked out, or is it worse to get? Well, I guess I guess you'd have to get knocked out, but to get knocked out and have your opponent do the splits. And do the, well, trying to think of the right word. Do very, I don't even know what you would call that. I guess they called it the dirty dancing celebration. Uh, I I don't know what's worse. I mean, I want to say having your opponent hit the splits after beating you is worse. 
But after a knockout like that, I mean, he's probably just living in his basement for like five weeks with, you know, by candlelight, you know, because the light's going to fucking hurt. I mean, he was out for like six or seven minutes. Like, you know, when the UFC broadcast has to fill time because you're still unconscious in the octagon, ah, that's never good. <laughs> that's never good. I mean, being knocked out's not good. Being a professional fighter is not good. I mean, it's just all, it's brain damage across the board. Um, but like, if you get knocked out, if you get knocked out like Cody Garbrandt, where you're like, whoa, I'm a little woozy. I probably saw some black. I probably saw a flash of light. Um, I probably got a concussion, but, uh, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't even out. I wasn't out. I just kind of got severely rocked. Well, that's one thing. Uh, but to be flatlined, (laughs) to be flatlined and to be out for fucking, completely out of it for six or seven minutes ah i am i in no way profess to be a doctor but that can't be good that just fucking cannot be good that can't be good for your brain like oh it's just absolutely brutal um but yeah jordan levitt's a really good fighter really really good fighter his his grappling is just on another fucking level and again i understand it's matt wyman it's a guy who's 0-2 in, in his last two fights and you know that was off of like a seven year layoff um, but you know you're supposed to win these fights when you're young you're supposed to beat you know low level guys when you're young so oh why didn't you know for anybody who's like oh I wasn't that good of an opponent yeah well it wasn't really a possibility for Jordan Levitt to take on fucking Tony Ferguson at this point in his career you know you gotta you gotta beat the ones you're supposed to to beat at this point so you know he, he's on track to do some interesting stuff I'm not gonna hype it up too much but it was a very impressive performance and you know that's again like I always say you you want to have performances especially when people don't know who the fuck you are which I mean you know a lot of people might recognize the name if they watch the contender series absolutely no disrespect this this is the same for most fighters coming into the UFC but like nobody knows who the fuck you are so go out there and make people know who you are and that's a very very um you know cool thing to see people are going to know who Jordan Levitt is I don't think the knockout was on the level of, you know, like a Joaquin Buckley on uh, Impa Kasanganai, but like, ah, people are going to know who Jordan Levitt is, so he's not going to fight a ranked guy in his next fight, but when he fights a, a no-name in his next fight, which is what's going to happen, because that's just the natural progression, oh, that's Jordan Levitt, that's the guy who, who fucking slammed a guy through the fucking canvas, I'll watch him fight, so it's cool, you just got to make people remember your name. Uh, we had a couple of prelim fights here. None of them really mattered. Uh, Luis Smolka knocked out uh, Jose Alberto Quinones. Good for him. Uh, Jake Collier beat John Volante. I did not watch that fight, but ap- apparently it was 30-27. John Volante should fucking retire. That guy has to retire. Jake Collier doesn't belong in the UFC, let alone Bellator or 1FC. He's a, he's a ballooned-up middle middleweight. Um, John Volante is a severely blown up uh, light heavyweight, but this is a this is a middleweight taking on a light heavyweight with both of them wearing fat suits, and you, you lost to the middleweight. So uh, John Volante, one hundred percent should retire. Jake Collier should retire for that for for you know, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and then we had uh, Ilya Topuria uh, knocking out Damon Jackson. Um, that was that was a very good sequence. I, I was very impressed by uh, Topuria's striking. 
And Damon Jackson, I mean, a veteran of the sport, pretty gaudy record at 18-4, and four, kind of fizzled out of the UFC his first time around, had the highlight level, or highlight real knockout loss to, uh, what was it, Movid Kegelov or whatever, in, in the PFL, 10-second knockout. Um, you know, but, but came to the UFC uh, the second time around, won his debut, and, uh, you know, that, that was a very impressive performance. I mean, this guy, uh, only 23 years old, uh, Ilya Tapiria is. I mean, that was just fucking atrocious grammar, <laughs> but you get the point. Ilya Tapuria is 23 years old. I think that's probably a more concise way to say that. Um, but yeah, very, very impressive. Very impressive. And, uh, you know, you look at his two first two performances, you beat a, well, a name, uh, you know, a surging guy, and then you beat uh, a guy in impressive fashion. So you beat Yusuf Salal, who was on like a three-fight winning streak, all by unanimous decision, probably would have been at least a contender for UFC Rookie of the Year, but you beat him, okay, that's, that speaks volumes to me off the bat. But then, just to finish Damon Jackson, and, you know, I guess didn't, it wasn't a KO, but, you know, essentially it was a standing KO, I guess he fell down, uh, but like a standing TKO, I mean, he put it on him, his striking was crisp, uh, very, very solid performance there from uh, Ilya Tapuria. Uh, and that's that's pretty much all I have to say on, uh, on this uh, recap here. Um, we'll have a uh, preview of well, what's what's next? Oh, it's a pay-per-view, 256, of course. Uh, Figueredo versus Moreno again. Well, not again for the first time, but uh, both those guys fought at 255. So uh, we'll have a preview of that. I'm gonna say on Thursday. On Thursday, we'll, and we'll have a show tomorrow. Um, I don't know what, but we'll figure out something. We'll always figure out something. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll start getting back in the habit of doing multiple, multiple shows a week. Um, but, uh, yeah. And again, as always, you can check out uh, our website at northstarsports.media. I mean, we're going to be doing a lot more interesting stuff with uh, with the, the website. I mean, obviously, we have the picks. we got the main card showdown. All of the podcasts and links are on there. I, I think we're going to be doing weekly NFL mock drafts on there. And... Uh, I don't know. I might, I, I, I might put like a couple of. I, I think it'll just be for fun, honestly. I think it'll just be something to, to look at. I, I don't think it'll be anything profound unless I, I start doing like uh, you know paragraphs behind each pick, um, which I, I might do occasionally. But I think I just want to do weekly mock drafts just to put them out there. Just something interesting to see. Nothing, nothing profound. Nothing like, well, I watched twelve hours of tape and this is why I think this guy's going number seven. Just, just something fun, something to look at, something to scroll while, while you're uh, on a lunch break or something. And, and then I think we might do like the in-depth stuff. Maybe we'll do that like once a month. We'll do like a real in-depth, like, no, 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 this is why I think this guy's going here and, and, and things like that. And um, I mean, uh, yearly we do our, our 256 pick mock draft. So that, that'll be at some point, obviously at the end of the season, uh, we'll be doing that. But I, th- I think we're going to start adding that to the website um, and things like that, and you know, uh, a thing to look forward to as well. We'll have year-end awards for um, uh, the UFC coming up soon. Obviously, well, at the year's end. Um, well, actually, probably right around Christmas, because I think the UFC's final card in December is that nineteenth card. Um, that was supposed to be Chimaev and Edwards. I don't know what it is now. I think the, I think it's Thompson Neal. 
Um, so we'll probably have it after that. We'll, we'll be doing uh, year-end, uh, season-end NFL awards um, at, at some point. So, you know, there's some interesting stuff that we're going to be playing with um, with North Star Sports and the website. But go check that out. Follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, uh, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. And once again, thanks for tuning in, everybody.